Welcome everyone to another episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host Callahan, and today we are going to be traveling back a year to revisit my conversation with Pleasant Kenobi about the health of EDH culture. Vince is one of my favorite voices in the magic community, and revisiting this episode is something I've been looking forward to for quite some time now. But before we get into all of that, I do want to take a moment to thank all of our patrons for the support you give. Your support goes towards continuing this show here and as well as putting on events like the MLC, which we will have some news on here in a moment. One of the patron perks is access to our Discord server where we brew, share memes, discuss spoilers, talk about sports, all that jazz. It's a great community, and we would love to have you be a part of it. Another bonus for our patrons is access to the uncut video episodes of the podcast. And you can submit a question for our newest show segment, Dear Sculpty Boys. So if you want to join the Sculpty family, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors, and you can check out more information there. Speaking of the MLC, the 2022 MLC regular season has come to a close. And this Saturday, August 13th, the chase for the Mox Bowl begins over on Monarch Media's Twitch channel. Battling for their spot in the Mox Bowl from the Coalition Conference is West Division Champion Sage, East Division Champion Kai, South Division Champion Killstars, and the Coalition wildcard winner, Squirrel Mob. And that game will kick off at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Over in the Gatewatch, Eastern Division Champion Cicada, South Division Champion Deco, North Division Champion Nick, and the Gatewatch wildcard winner, LJ, will be fighting for their spot in the Mox Bowl as well, with their game kicking off at 4 p.m. Eastern. Waiting for the winners of those two games will be our regular season conference champions, Sick Robot and Fukens. They secured their spot in the Mox Bowl with the best regular season records in their respective conferences. The Mox Bowl will kick off at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And again, you can catch all of that action over on Monarch Media's Twitch channel this Saturday, August 13th. It's time to check in on our Apple podcast ratings. And this week we have one new rating that comes from straight to Evan, uh, who gives us a rock fist emoji and five stars. Love the CEDH data breakdown really emphasizes the advantage position one has and demystifies the assumptions that CDH games end on turn one and two routinely. Hashtag no draw on turn one gang. Thank you so much for that rating. And again, just a reminder that if you do leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, we will make sure to read it out here on the show. With all that said, let's go ahead and jump in the time machine and revisit my conversation with Pleasant Kenobi. One of the things... Uh, I've talked to Vince about this before, but you've also wrote an art, well, semi-article about it, um, is about kind of the way we treat EDH 
apart from like other formats is I don't know if unhealthy is the right term, but it's weird and I, it's not always the best. Does that make sense? Is yeah. that like a good summary? Yeah, because Commander has a really weird place in Magic because it's not quite like all the other... And I mean, I literally mean all the other formats. Like every format in Magic is this 1v1 scenario, this competition, right. this battle of wits, this, this um, you know, t- two wizards going at it and there is an aim to have one person come out on top. But because EDH is the only enduring and the only resonating multiplayer format, there have been others, but no one really cares that much about them. <laughs> or they get folded into Commander, right? Plane Chase right. really exists as a variant of Commander now. Um, Commander is like this this place that people hang out with their friends and it's become, uh, dare I say the word, because it's kind of a dirty word and a difficult one, a loaded one, but the casual space within Magic. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of informed the ongoing evolution of both commander itself and like magic's like relationship with commander as his only truly casual format so yeah it's a weird one it's a real weird one it is a weird one um it's interesting because like so when we talk about it um one of the things people always say right is uh we want to make sure everybody has a good experience and um like I'm trying to think of the way that they put it all the time is it's like, you know, you always want your opponent to be able to do their things, but it's like, it almost feels to me and maybe I'm being too negative right off the bat. So I apologize. It almost (laughs) feels to me like everybody wants to sit down and goldfish at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, Mm. Cause that's always kind of been my experience. Uh, It's, it's, it's reminiscent of, um, did you ever play like a, uh, do you ever play like Starcraft or Age of Empires or Warcraft 3 or Command and Conquer with your friends at Violan or? Yeah, Age of Empires for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like those games have like online or competitive community, especially things like Starcraft, right? Where the game right. is cutthroat, the APM is high, it's very skill intensive, it's very difficult and people are wrecking each other uh, with, you know, the games are punishing, right? But right. if you if you start out playing those games, the, the way that people uh, approach it is you sit and you build your base and you build up all your resources and you build up all your stuff and then eventually you agree with your friends, right, it's time to do battle or whatever, which is kind of how EDH is played. It's um, at least at right. a casual level. People love to just build up their board states and get very upset if you interact with that in a way or play certain um, frowned upon strategies that interact with that in a way. Like, even when we get to the real casual level, some people might even find upon things like board wipes and stuff, which I, thank goodness we've come to a situation now where it's kind of accepted that you should be playing multiple Wraths in Commander because the table doesn't get wiped and it's just a mess of a game and not very productive. Right. But yeah, it's, it reminds me of that. It reminds me of my friends who, when I started playing on the StarCraft ladder and stuff, be like, oh, you can take this to the next level. They're like, no, I just want to, I just want to build my base and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with people wanting to play things differently. Right. <laughs> it's just uh, it's just strange when then those two mentalities um, butt heads, I guess. Well, and that's one of the things that you said, I believe it was in one of your Kenobi's Corner for the people who um, get the Channel Fireball newsletter. Yeah, is, if, you, if you want my newsletter, sign up to CFB Extra uh, newsletter, and I, I put one out every Friday. Uh, yeah. Not normally getting some quite negative emails back, but I think that's just because uh, some of the CFB viewership still don't like having non-pros on the team to talk about stuff. Yeah, that's I, a whole different ball game. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> some so, people do. Some people do. <laughs> uh, but the 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 thing that I thought uh, that you you made was a really good point was that some people really like look at it as a cooperative experience and like treat it almost like D and D. Where I mean, you and you bring this up in that in that newsletter is 
somebody still has to win the game at the end of the day, right? Like you don't do yeah, that in D and D. Like if I sit down for a game of D and D, uh, well, a game of D and uh, a D and D session, right? Like we're all working. It's the party is working together. We you don't have a party in EDH. Like I suppose there's Wayfair that came out earlier this year that people uh, started doing, um, but like in EDH. It, somebody has to win the game. Yeah, I, I think it's because any situation where you sit down with a group of people to do anything, there's going to be social contracts and discussions involved about how you want to do stuff, right? Like, this happens with any hobby game. I can think of friends who don't want to play board games strictly by the rules, or friends who, I play, I start playing a lot of Warhammer, they don't want to play as competitively as we can in Warhammer. It happens in everything. People don't want to buy the latest staples for, like, you know, single-player formats of, um, uh, 1v1 formats of Magic the Gathering and stuff. Right. But, I think the difference is, is that it's right to be conscientious of the people around you and make sure they're having a good time. And that's kind of why playgroups have to figure out like what their dynamic is. But magic doesn't lend itself to being like D&D, this collaborative experience where we all high five at the end of it because we've had a good time as a collection of people working towards a common goal because you aren't, other than having fun. And right. magic itself is desi- not designed like that. Like You have cards in your hand that are designed to blow up your opponent's creature's permanence lands if that's even you know not frowned upon in your group or whatever like you you are playing a deck that is designed to either end the game for other people with you being victorious or just mess up your opponent's game plans as you go right that's probably the two two very loose categories for every card you play and that doesn't constitute towards everyone like high-fiving at the end of it you might all be very like that was a cool win or you did well or you outplayed me or that was good politicking it's but it is fundamentally different and i think the point I was getting at in the newsletter is that people don't see it that way. And there's a lot of let everyone play with their toys in Commander, which is fine. But I feel like that being the prevalent topic then starts to push right. pe- people out of the game because they can't play the things they want to play, whether that be stacks or whether that would be super aggressive Voltron. You know, two ends of the spectrum, right. right? One, stopping everyone from playing any magic through um, lock pieces. And the other one just being, I'm going to hit someone as hard as I can and probably take them out of the game early. Like those things are frowned upon because they aren't letting other people play the game. But ultimately, that is a way to play the game. Right. Well, and that's that's one of the things as somebody who runs uh, a commander league in my local meta that when I when I first came into this LGS, uh, the way that they did things were they had a laundry list of uh, rule zero uses where you can't play this. If you win with a deck, you can't use it again. All these different things. And what ended up happening was nobody ended up coming, right? Because oh, really? Because because it, it, it's interesting that when you tell people you can't do certain things, people are like, "Okay, well, I guess I just won't show up." Um, it does sound like the, the, the nightmare scenario is to walk up to a game store and be told, "Nah, you shouldn't be playing X, Y, and Z," and you're like, "Right, okay," and like you sit there awkwardly with X, Y, and Z in your bag, like, right? Yeah. Well, and the the other thing that I this is one of the things that I think is often looked over with the, that whole conversation of how we treat it and how we look at how people want to play the game. Right. Cause like if, if you're a new player and oftentimes in other formats, what's the first deck that we give to a brand new player, mono red aggro, it's really easy to pilot. You just throw spells at your opponent's face and turn shit sideways. Um, so 
you know, there's very oftentimes I know in CEDH, a deck that we usually give to people as their first deck would be like Najila or Goto. They're very simple. They do a thing. Um, but if you do that going into a, a casual environment, you're a new player, you walk in, you've built a simple, aggressive deck. The, the likelihood of you being ostracized from that community, I feel like, and perhaps I'm a little biased on this because I've had some personal experience tied into this of people not liking that I was playing aggressive strategies, um, but be pushed out of groups. And that's that's kind of my my big thing with it. Right. Is you got to make sure that, you know, when we say that we want a resident experience for everyone, we have to mean like everyone. Right. Not just the yeah, strategies yeah. we like. I th- yeah, I think the 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 very idea of let everyone play with their toys is ironically sometimes um, excluding people because letting everyone play with their toys tells everyone to um, play anything from not strategies X, Y, and Z to just like super inefficiently. Even it's um it's a bizarre thing because I think this is the the, the big debate between like casual and try hard, right? And I see this a lot in both. Uh, Commander, and I see a huge amount in Warhammer as well, which, like I said, I'm deep, deep into that at the moment, where people will say, oh, I don't want to um, play competitively. They'll use the, the, the words casual and competitive, or have for fun and competitive, are at two different ends of a, are like, two right. the spectrum. They're, like, diametrically opposed, which is not the case, right? People play competitive games because they want to have fun with them. Um, and what I think happens is people use the excuse of I don't want to play competitively or I don't want to play high powered or I don't want to play efficiently to really mean that they don't want to improve in the game. And ultimately, that's also fine. Like if you right. can come to terms with the idea that you haven't got because magic is complicated. Warhammer is another example is super complicated. It's keeping up with the metagame, especially magic with the constant releases and like new cards and stuff is difficult too. So if you don't want to keep up with that or, you know, hone your decks and adjust to metagames and stuff, you don't have to. But it also shouldn't be a case of, oh, you can't play X because I don't know how to deal with it because that's not constructive towards... Well, I feel it's not constructive towards a good environment for anyone. And I think that is what comes from all this for the most part, is just people have been empowered to say, I don't want to play against whether it be mill, stacks, hyper aggro, combo, infinite combo, a hand attack. Like I can list off so many things that weirdly get hated out that I just don't understand because it's been said that it's okay to be that way because those things are seen as anti-fun when in reality they're all valid ways to play and all have counterplay as well. Magic is actually a a really balanced game when you get down to it. Um, I'm not, I'm, by the way, I'm not just saying, by the way, that everyone needs to be able to beat a, like, uh, a CDH-tuned stacks deck with their, like, I'm going to use power ratings here, so I apologize because I think that's nonsense oh, no. too, but a, a six, you know? I'm not saying that's the case at all, but right. I am saying that people can perhaps look inwardly at themselves and say, are you just rejecting these things because you don't understand them? You can't be bothered to learn about them. You can't be bothered to play in a slightly different way or improve your game. or not even improve, like, pivot. But you don't have to right. build a castle. You might want to hold up some interaction. That's the big one, right? Interaction in Commander. We're talking below the CDH oh level gosh. at this point. We're right. talking like play some play some interaction as the first point of contention. Oh no, Secondly, trust me. In CEDH, in CEDH right now, we're we're experiencing, and this is all because of Dockside and Ad Nauseum, where the entire meta has been warped around like those two cards so they only play things that protect themselves like people aren't playing swords to plowshares and so like 
people within our group here at the Mind Sculptors, we sit there and we like are like, what do you just just play like a removal spell? Like, right. Well, like, people aren't playing plowshares. Uh, there are some people that are not playing plowshares. Is that decks. because it doesn't interact favorably with the cards you just mentioned? Because once they're there, they've done their job, right? Like, it seems like it'd be good against Hole Breacher and things like that. But obviously that's not a problem now. Right. Um, I don't understand it totally. I think most of the reasoning is because decks right now are tuned to be so much more proactive than interactive. Sure, um, sure. And I think that's probably why, because we're kind Oracle of... I Oracle might have done this too, right? Because that's Oracle doesn't really care whether you've got a plowshares or not either. Right. Well, that's... Is, is, is oh. that a weird way if Magic Design's gone that way? With Dock, Dockside and Thoracle are good examples, right? Maybe Holbridge is good design in that respect, because you can interact <laughs> with it. Like, I know that's a weird yeah. thing to say out loud, yeah. but like, if they play it and cast a wheel and I have a removal spell, the game continues, right? But right. if they cast a Thoracle and they've set up, and I'm like, well, I've got this removal spell in hand, it doesn't do anything here. I mean, arguably, if they have, like, one... Co- Does it check on resolution, the trigger for the devotion? Does it check on resolution? Yes, but okay, it doesn't so, matter if there's no cards in your yeah, deck. It doesn't no matter. Deck, which is like 99% of the uh, occasions, right? So that is not that interesting. That magic design is pushing us towards not playing that interaction. Right. Oh, shake my damn head. It's blue, isn't it? They get counter magic and stack interaction and everyone else can get fucked. Anyway, back to the point of hand. People should <laughs> still play interaction regardless. Exactly. I, I I'm, agree. I'm bad at it as well. My highest powered deck, which I don't think is a CDH deck, and I get shit when I call it a CDH deck on YouTube. But like when I play um, uh, Thar, uh, not Thalia, sorry, uh, Tajova, which I think is a very high powered deck, I have also over the years just cut interaction as time went on. And then I've like yep. settled on like Swan Song, Glenelendra, Archmage, Capsize, Beast Within, and maybe like two other cards. And that's not enough. That's just not enough. But yeah, I, it, it's just, it's very interesting how. Because I remember this was like five years ago. Um, I, I played, no, not five. It would be four because I guess it would. It doesn't matter. Whatever Kess came out. See, um, the exact time frame is not the relevant bit, yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I was playing Kess and I remember seeing Kess and I was like, this is awesome. Like, you get a Snapcaster every turn. Like, this is amazing. And so I just played Grix's Control and... Like people would get so mad when I would interact with their win attempts, and I'm like, "Why? You tried to win the game." <laughs> it's like yeah. that's. It just it, it's very interesting that that is the dynamic, and so I guess my thought or my question, I guess, is so what would what is you know we we recognize this as an issue, I think. I, I think I part of why I had you on is because I have agreed with every point you've made. And <laughs> which is uh, the most constructive towards a good conversation yeah, that's good right. to listen to. Uh, but to but part of why I had you on was these are points that I've been kind of agree like thinking myself for a very long time. And it was very good to see somebody else also think that way. Mm. And you know, if you were going to fix these problems, right? Of you know, people who are being stubborn and then because it feels like, you know, you're bending to the will of sometimes, not all the time, obviously, uh, but there yeah. are instances where you're definitely bending to the will of people who just don't want to change. You know, what is in your mind like a constructive and healthy way for us to Oof. move forward and be able to 
change those things? I think, honestly, my answer is going to be very airy-fairy and not uh, that actionable, I guess. But it <laughs> is a cult- it's a cultural shift. Like, we have, yeah. we have, as a community, as a culture, we have pushed more and more towards this idea that everyone needs to be allowed to play with their toys, which, like we've already covered, is actually, like, in itself self-defeating, right? Right. But I think if we move away from that of, like, if you lost to X or to an infinite combo what could you have done differently? That's a better way of looking at it. And this is a way that I've been, especially more recently as I've been getting, I, I, I waned away from competitive magic quite a bit, especially as competitive magic collapsed. Then we had the pandemic and stuff. And what right. has kind of reignited that spark for me a little bit to mention it for the fifth time. Sorry, everybody. But, um, Hey Vince, that, what's your opinion of Warhammer? <laughs> oh, it's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. But it's also made me be a bit more introspective and try and convince people in my audience and on my community and my discord and stuff to be, um, self-reflective as well. And instead of being like, instead of saying in a game of Commander, you lost because of, and this, this matters for all magic as well, instead of saying you lost because of variance or because your opponent wasn't playing fair or the stuff you want to play with, instead of saying, what could I have done differently? Like, did I make the right mulligan d- decision? Was my removal right. spell the only one I drew this game on turn three the correct thing to have killed when I spike killed my friend's soul ring for a laugh and then lost to like twin in my, in my end step or whatever the scenario is right like it's to look at yourself and see how you can improve or change or pivot and it's not I'm not saying people to buy more cards or put all the reps in but just have some self-reflection and a change in culture that way as opposed to I lost an infinite combo therefore ergo all infinite combos are bad and everyone should stop because that's just not that's not helping out anyone who wants to play those things. Because those things right. are fun in a sense that they seem powerful, right? We're playing we're playing EDH, we want to do powerful things. I know some I mean, people's powerful things are playing Zendikar Resurgent and making a thousand mana, but other people's powerful things are assembling uh, inverted commas insane combos. I don't know if that's right. Oracle here, that's easy mode, right? But that, that is the thing that power creep and uh, competitive nature like um, culminates towards is the easiest way to do it. But so hashtag, those things should uh, be allowed. Hashtag ban Tharsis Oracle. Uh, <laughs> I just, if we can go back in time, if we can go back in time and like uh, kill Thassa's Oracle in the womb, perhaps, yeah. or in the crib to be less aggressive towards Thassa's Oracle's mother, who's probably a lovely merfolk, honestly. <laughs> but fucking hell, honestly, Oracle, Oracle. I, it, it really is one of those cards that just, I I remember seeing that per- get uh, spoiled and Phoenix, one of the people in our group, just DM'd me and he's like, well, they killed Lab Man. <laughs> like, there's... I, I, there's a whole video that I need to do about this. It's been on my notes for a long time. I did a video ages ago where I talked about how Walking Ballista homogenizes combo across like all mm-hmm. formats, right? If you've got an infinite mana outlet, you either go to the top end, which is Emrakul, or the lower end efficient, inverted commas, uh, Walking Ballista, because it can be played at other points in the curve as well. You've got like two things that kind of homogenize those things and we saw it right. with like a food chain moving to walking ballista over emerald for example in, right. in legacy and so on and one of the points i labored was like colorless things are, are, are a thing they need to be wary of in future when designing cards and the irony is the follow-up to that video really is talking about the homogenization of combo kills across all formats it's that zorical which is double blue it's so funny that I was, I was so sure that colorless is a problem. It's it's not. It's just printing things that are hyper efficient and more powerful than anything you've ever printed. Like right. a strict upgrade to, to yeah. But anyway, anyway, that's that's a tangent. But yeah, Thoracle's a, yeah. a Joker magic card. This Saturday, August 13th, the chase for the Mox Bowl begins over on Monarch Media's Twitch channel. Battling for their spot in the Mox Bowl from the Coalition Conference 
is West Division Champion Sage, East Division Champion Kai, South Division Champion Killstars, and the Coalition Wildcard winner Squirrel Mob. And that game will kick off at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Over in the Gatewatch, Eastern Division Champion Cicada, South Division Champion Deco, North Division Champion Nick, and the Gatewatch Wildcard winner LJ will be fighting for their spot in the Mox Bowl as well, with their game kicking off at 4 p.m. Eastern. Waiting for the winners of those two games will be our regular season conference champions, Sick Robot and Fukins. They secured their spot in the Mox Bowl with the best regular season records in their respective conferences. The Mox Bowl will kick off at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And again, you can catch all of that action over on Monarch Media's Twitch channel this Saturday, August 13th. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. So changing the culture is something that I think I agree. Well, not I think I do agree with you. Um, And that's kind of I know for me, uh, part of why I really like doing the mind sculptors and why I like doing um, like stuff like Major League Commander is like showing people that you can do competitive things and also have fun and that those things don't have to be mutually exclusive and we can learn and grow and play things uh, like that. Like one of the things that I like, I don't, I I don't know how much you've watched of our channel, uh, but one of the things we do with our gameplay is we do like a sports commentary gameplay on everything. Um, So you don't hear the players in the game, but you hear like two people talking over it. And one of the things that's really nice with that is we break down opening hands before we jump into the game. And so you can watch how all of that grows and evolves throughout a game and go, well, if you had mulliganed or if you played this differently. And so it gives people a and it's really good for competitive players, right? Because competitive players want to do those things. And so but I've had a lot of casual people even like subscribe and enjoy the the type of content we do because, you know, there is that aspect of it where it's like, here was my opening hand. Here's what I was doing. Here's what I could have done. Or here's what this person could have done better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's what, that's what every aspiring new competitive player, I think new or coming up match, uh, competitive magic player does, right? Like I can remember a time when I watched a hell of a lot of just any modern or legacy, like um, Star City or CFB content I could, where it would be two people at a desk talking about like a live game. Cause you, 
hear from experts who can then like with perfect information live cast what's going on and stuff. So it's definitely a good way to improve. Um, I mean, that's not what I'm suggesting that the whole community needs to do is like, you know, spend their time on YouTube or Twitch or or reading strategy articles about EDH. It's just also, (laughs) it's not people need to understand. I mean, what you're saying is not bad. Obviously learning um, how to play well or efficiently or whatever is not bad. But just the idea that people will ostracize others or other deck choices instead of saying, well, I could probably beat that if I just play a piece of counter magic. Or maybe I play the other, the other one when we get down to real casual levels is graveyard interaction. That's a thing I think people don't play enough of as well because graveyard is probably the most broken uh, zone in magic, right? So, Brilliant. yeah, it's people just not being like, maybe I could adjust slightly. Like, I've tried to tell people I'm not telling others to get good. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just right. trying to people to perhaps take control of their commander experience themselves instead of relying on others to curate it for them or. Or, or baby them. I've said this before, and that's the thing that people don't like, is saying they're getting babied a little bit. But we do. Right. We baby people by letting them, here's, here's your toys, you can play with them, don't worry. Like the other the other kids won't score the football goal against you or whatever, like you're at school. Like can, you, can you imagine any other game? Can you imagine it? It's just crazy. Well, and that's, that's kind of what I've always kind of thought, is, like, imagine doing that with, like, Monopoly. Like, okay, well, you're not allowed to do this. Even though we don't play Monopoly, right? Right? Like, most people don't play that game correctly. But yeah. regardless, like, imagine sitting down and you're like, oh, well, you know, I I don't want to pay rent when I land on your property because, you know, that ruins my experience. And it just, it, it feels very odd to me. Um, although I also com- am comparing it to a game where, uh, you know, People have gotten into many family fights over it, so what do I know? Yeah, um, I don't think I've ever finished a game Monopoly without being in an argument. <laughs> um, so you know, I I know you've you've got a lot going on, and it's late over there, but you know, as we kind of look at more of these things deeper down the road, um, you know, you, you say it's a cultural shift. Obviously, that's hard to take actionable items towards, but. Like for somebody who's going into their LGS, somebody who's going into their online play group, um, what are things that you could tell them to do to improve that experience, not only for themselves, but to help uh, grow that culture in their communities? I I think it actually probably comes as a personal mediation as well. Like I don't mm-hmm. rock up to my game store, my my local game store, um, the the the, the gaming den in Basingstoke. Shout out to them. Um, when I started playing a little bit of Commander there just before the pandemic, and I've been playing like um, wargaming there uh, during the breaks in the lockdown here in England as well, uh, it's a quite casual environment. So I tried my hardest not just to rock up and like stomp everyone with like combos and stuff where I could. So there is that element of personal mediation as well. Right. And if you want to grow an atmosphere at a game store or in a new play group of where it's okay to play these things that supposedly are frowned upon because they're not fun or whatever then it might be a case of easing people into it and also helping them to understand things as well. If you just rock up and just like, you know, public stomp people over and over, that's not how you do it. And and I'm saying this, and that sounds like an obvious statement, a real obvious statement, but honestly, we all know Magic players that will see a group that aren't as uh, um, well-versed in the game as they are, pull yeah. out the best deck and stomp on them. Because I just know so many Magic players like that, because Magic players, yeah, we can be a suspect lot sometimes. So it's a bit of that, self-mediation as well. And like, you can help it's like the whole it's like the positive side of the arms race right like people talk about right. having an arms race when you first start playing a game with your friends and stuff and you can incite that a little bit in a positive way with your local game store 
uh, or, or group by showing them new things. Like I had a, this is a bit of a weird tangent, but it kind of fits. There was a kid uh, playing his sliver deck. Um, two, two people that I just met. I just walked in with my friend. This is before the pandemic. I said, Oh, fancy game of commander. And they're like, they look a bit sheepish and weird about it. But they're like, okay. And they start talking to each other. So we assumed they knew each other. Turned out later on, they had just met as well and everyone was just uncomfortable. So they weren't sheepish <laughs> about the commander. So we sit down, we play, and they, and they both get out slivers. One is like the first sliver and one is sliver queen. And immediately, as a like relatively well-versed magic player, I thought, oh God, these, we're just going to get absolutely destroyed here because sliver decks, especially at lower power levels, are a pain, right? Right. Um, so I get out like Perforos, which isn't the most tuned thing in the world. Um, and we start playing. It turns out they're actually both still really casual and they're just coming out for their first commander night. But that kid who was like 10, um, I cast Blood Moon in that game, okay? People will frown upon this, right? But I cast Blood Moon. <laughs> and one of the Slivers players got locked out completely. And I said to him, look, if you're playing a five-color mana base, there's going to be cards that are going to punish you a little bit. And then the kid had like two forests in play and a mana weft server. So he was okay, the younger one. And then he asked me like, oh, you've got... Um, no, one player had a basic island, I think it was, that was keeping them out from under the moon. And he said, so all these are mountains. Like, yeah, they're mountains. So, but if I if I use this, and he flashes Vindicate Sliver, whatever it's called, I mean, he goes, if I use this to block that island, he now not only has mountains, right? And it's like a 10-year-old kid, and I'm like, yeah, that's bingo. And he just does it. And my other friend that was with me, who came with me, he got blue out now and had no blue mana. And I was like, that kid just had like a level up experience playing into Blood Moon. And he was like laughing and cackling, and it was funny. And he'd right. learned... And had a real good experience playing it's a card that apparently we shouldn't play in Commander because it's just so evil. But I'm hoping that kid walked away from that thinking, you know what? I've learned about like mana denial and resource denial and stuff. Right. Today. Things that apparently are evil. But that's a very long-winded story, but I'm very fond of it because that was a very No, I time. love that story. And I think that's like a good example too of like, because even in the casual game, like side of it, that doesn't mean that you can't know how to use the game and the game's interactions to your advantage, right? Like that that's not a thing that is exclusive. If we want to use the D&D, you know, comparison, I mean, there are times where I, I usually like the, the last time I played, I played as a warlock and I broke the campaign that I was playing because I had, you know, uh, God, I don't even remember what the ability was, but it was something that my DM just didn't have the resources for or it, it, yeah, it was uh, I had eyes of the Rune keeper. Right. And so he made this item and maybe this is a bad example. This seems like a good example in my head. So you feel free to tell me this is stupid. <laughs> we'll see shortly. Um, but he had, I had eyes of the Rune keeper. And so I can read whatever, whatever language, whatever. Um, Cause it was one of my packed inv invocations or something like that. Right. And uh he looks at, he is like, well, we have this jar and it's this ancient language and you don't know what it says. And I go, actually, I can read that. And he just goes, oh. And so he had to come up with something on the fly in order to like deal with that. And so I, I don't know, I guess to me, what, I, what I'm trying to get at, excuse me for being weird and using an odd example. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is I think that's a really good example of how can you grow and use the rules to your advantage and still have fun and still it, it doesn't all have to be cutthroat. The D&D the D &D thing that you just pointed out, though, is kind of um, an example of how magic isn't in many ways, because they said you broke the game, but you broke the campaign. We had this in Forfed where we like stand locked with all these laying all these stuns like the end boss of 
one of the main campaigns in Fortnite was Orcus, and we just stunlocked him for like the entire combat. And, it, and our DM had to like just start giving Orcus abilities he shouldn't have had just to make it not nonsense, right? But right. there's two things there. One, when you're playing D&D, the group are like, yeah, we've broken it. And sometimes the DM's like, cool, you've broken it. And you all feel a sense of achievement, right? The problem with magic is when you break it, the other person might feel cheated. Like when you thoracle off of, um, uh, not Tate Impact, what was it? When you dig through your whole library. Tate Impact? Demonic Consultation and Tino. Demonic Consultation, that's the one, not Tate Impact. Oh, either, okay. one, either one. Yeah. When they you do that work. and someone sees it the first time, they're like, oh dear, and they feel bad about it. So there's right. a, there's a that collaborative element again, making magic just fundamentally not feel the same. And then second to that, having a DM who might either on the fly improve the situation by giving an end boss more abilities just pumping up the hp to make things more dramatic in your case having to find a workaround for this uh, this puzzle element to the story's narrative that doesn't really happen in magic either other than other than i guess the closer you get to it is someone not king making but say you're about to die and they're like don't worry i got you and they like remove the threat or whatever with their spell and they you know a political deal sort of thing there right. isn't really a mediator making sure the other four people are having fun so again, fundamentally, magic can't perform in that space because the moment someone breaks it, and magic gets broken all the time, like all the time, that's part of the fun of magic as well, the, the powerful combos we talked about earlier, right? Those breakages cause feel-bads for the other people. And that's, that is a problem, but again, I think people should be, it's not just like, oh, that's broken, that's, and that, that might be the problem as well. Instead, I'm saying to people, like, think about what you could have done differently, but if you see something that's fundamentally broken, like, you know, when you play a 1v1 game against Ragavan right now or Oko in, in recent time, <laughs> you're like, well, I could do something differently, but these things shouldn't really exist to their current guys, right? There is right. a bit of that, but that might come more down to how the game is designed. Right. Um, but on, on that note as well, though, I'm talking about how that Blood Moon provided a positive interaction with that kid. I also understand that, like, if the kid had reacted badly and the other guy had reacted badly, I wouldn't play Blood Moon again against them until right. perhaps they... This is the thing, right? It's trying to promote a conversation where they might feel more comfortable about it in future. Like, they might have ways to deal with it. Or, I mean, Blood Moon might be a bad example because sometimes you just, your mana base just falls to Blood Moon. There's not a lot you can do about it. <laughs> Cause, right. Cause, yeah, you're playing two basics and you didn't fetch them or whatever, right? And someone blindsides you with it. But there is self-mediation as well. And even when I cast that Blood Moon in that game, I was thinking, oh, if someone had screenshot this and put it on Twitter, like people or took a picture of the board today, people would think I was a monster. <laughs> end up being a good situation anyway. So yeah, feel bads. I think feel bads can get circumvented in D&D and the group collectively, if they're bringing the game together, it's not a feel bad. But in Magic, it can make newer players or more casual players or less experienced players feel really out of the loop and helpless and not enjoying themselves. So I guess it's the thing we have to consider as well, I guess. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing that's, tough with it because you do like you said at the top of the show is you do want to be considerate of other people but not to the point where you warp everything around um those considerations you know what i mean yeah. like uh it, there needs to be a healthy balance and i think the 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 point of all of this is it doesn't appear that there is a healthy balance um at least yeah at least that's kind of where i'm at with it um yeah yeah context is key so like the way you build your decks or the way you play your decks in a, in a certain context is obviously key like you'll know if players are mm -hmm. new and they're just not going to understand the stack well enough to interact with a certain thing or whatever the context is obviously key but i feel like the if we step away from like the, the micro to the macro context of the entire community of the game and commander going forward is that we're then turn those players, instead of learning the game and, and getting better at the game, they're allowed to just shrug things off. That's not really 
that's not really constructive or or fair to people who want to play these things as well. So yeah, I think I think you're right. It's it's a case of like understanding you can understand your metagame in a local level and like, you know, and right. um create that escalation perhaps and help other people learn and come up with you. But ultimately as a community, we need to encourage people to take that journey and not just switch off and be like, no, no, you you've seen the screenshot of the MTGO room, right? Where there's, there's still a person on there to this day who plays like 1v1 commander and they have no hand attack, no counter spells, no removal. Have you seen that? Uh, <laughs> they have that written in the description. So, yeah. You're like, okay, I guess. Yeah, it's a fair, it's, I always think of this meme at this point because that person, that person's had that info in there for like several years at this point. I'm like, at what point do you realize that you're going to have to just learn to play around thought seats, my friend? That's just a thing that's going to have to happen. Right. Um, yeah. So we have a culture where people do do that as opposed to sitting on their own in these lobby rooms with those words on the, uh, in the description. Well, and this is okay. I just had this thought and it, I, if, how much do you think the ability in arena to rope people you don't like and just scoop and pick up and go to the next game might make that attitude more like make encourage people to have that attitude mm. right because i play a lot of ractos arcanist online on arena and i can't tell you how many times i've just gone like thoughtsies thoughtsies and then dude just scoops and i'm like okay well i did just shoot myself for six so like yeah i, I am mean, pro- pretty pretty low on health guys i i'm i'm always an advocate of like let's just shuffle up and go again i i i say this phrase a lot shuffle up and go again because like you know, infinite combo goes on turn four. Sure, whatever. Let's shuffle up and go again. And get another game, and the more games of commander I can play in a group, in a night. For, that's right. a weird thing to say after a pandemic where I haven't really played much physically with other people for eighteen months. But you know, what I mean, the more games you play, the better. However, there is a very real talking point here of in arena, it's instantaneous. On modo, it's instantaneous. But in paper, right. you know, you've got to shuffle up again. You've got to deal opening hands. There is a time element to it. Of people might feel that they're being cheated in that way. Does arena? make that better or worse I'm, I'm unsure i'm unsure i've seen a lot i mean a lot of uh magic facebook groups uh for um <laughs> against my better judgment and not good for my mental health but i mean i was gonna say share, I was like, like what are you doing put, doing facebook mtg that's terrible yeah yeah i, I share <laughs> i share videos in there a little bit and I, I think it helps to i like to see all the social media and what people are saying and stuff i feel mm-hmm. like it helps me i don't know have a finger on the zeitgeist to sound like a complete marketing twat. But <laughs> what I do see is people like saying things like, um, what's one of my favorite ones of the day? Oh, we should be able to block people. So if we play against someone who's playing a deck we don't like, we can block them so you have to play against them again. And there's a lot of that that like mentality going around. That sounds that sounds like the arena version of what we're talking about in Commander. Where you're right. just like, oh, I want to cultivate my experience in such a a fundamentally um almost um What's the word? abrasive way where it's like fuck all of y'all who were playing what I don't want to play and, and maybe ultimately we're in the wrong here and people should time is um, finite and life is short so maybe people should only play against the decks they enjoy I mean but I do yeah, think if we, <laughs> but, but, but again if we change people's attitudes collectively as a group if we all say oh I might kind of hate Mill but why is that and unpack it and understand that really it's not actually as bad as you think it is at first you know it's one of those new player traps to think that Mill is bad right or or, or, or unbeatable uh, or whatever um then we start to unpack and maybe we wouldn't have these attitudes where we're like, oh, I don't want to play against X or Y or Z. 
So yeah, I, I get that life is too short to play against crap. And there are decks that I don't like playing against. I, I hate commentating whilst playing against blue-white control-based variants in like Legacy and Modern and stuff. But that's because it's exhausting during the commentary process. You know, just yeah. talk through every choice of a 25-turn game or whatever. Oh, um, that, got, that got countered. That didn't resolve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, chat's like, um, what, do you think you should have done this in the last turn of the turn before? I'm like, probably, but we're 24 turns in, and I'm still... Yeah, so there are things that I don't like in Magic either. And getting, right. and getting three times Thoughtseize when you start a game, that's pretty rough. Rolling yeah. to five, that's pretty rough. But, I mean, surely we can get over those things to... Uh, maybe, maybe I'm to, put, to, to improve as players and people, but maybe that's a bit too airy-fairy as well. I'm giving you no actionable things here. There's nothing I've given you that we can actually go out there and, <laughs> and do. Outside of just being... Yeah, I, I, I get Be it, Be better but. at the game and accepting other people's decks. That's my, that's my advice. That, that's is, that, is, advice. that is the takeaway. Um, well, I really appreciate your time, Vince. I know you've got a lot going on. I mean... Hell, I you you put out a video a day for the last like two days and about stuff that came out that day. I don't know how in the world you have actually any time. I, think, I think it's been four videos across two days, but let's not let's not go into it too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like I, I, before we go to sit down to do this interview or this podcast, you had just released a video about historic and I'm like. Did, I just watched a video of yours you did about Historic. I was like, am I re-watching a video? I was like, no, this is a different video. I was like, how in the world did you have time to do this? So I, just, you were busy, dude. Job. It's the day job, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Like I said, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, you are always welcome to come out here and uh, just yell about you know, different stuff and go on. How Armageddon is a perfectly reasonable magic card and people should not be upset about Blood Moon. Of course, I'll take you up on the offer again in the future. Well, that about wraps things up for us here this week. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode and listening to the podcast. If you liked this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to rate us on whatever podcast platform you are on. And if you are listening on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and tell me down in the comments what your favorite part of the show was. Also want to give a extra shout out and thanks to our top tier patrons, Justin, Adam Hamden, David Snavely, Diane Chase, Jason Bialik, Met Boehner, and Senior Coupon. If you too would like to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description. Thank you again for joining us and from all of us here at the mind sculptors. I'm Callahan and we'll see you next time. <laughs>